You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Teams podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, didn't want the Patriots to go 16-0 anyways, and best friends with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys for the first time in a long time. We have the man formerly known as Steve Timberland, caster of the double reverse chutzpah, and DK Metcalf's number one admirer, resident old man Clark Barnes. And it was Sabatura, the captain of the Buccaneers bandwagon and ring bearer at Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick's wedding, the working girl Jordan Smith. And finally, fantasy football's premier internet doctor, Larry Fitzgerald, lone admonisher and a fan of what scientists lovingly call, quote, facts the ginger normal man nick butterford guys how are we doing doing great pete good pete terrific jordan it's been so long and now you're sick but how are you how was your expeditions in the wide world yonder uh it was very great um i did not get to watch a lot of football so it's been a rough couple of fantasy football weeks for me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh enjoyed it wouldn't wouldn't trade it though good good well we understand if you are here mostly for just moral support rather than for uh fantasy football intellect and insight given what you've uh, been up to in the last few weeks i did watch a little bit of football yesterday but uh i, I turned it off because the packers decided they didn't want to like go on the plane to los angeles <laughs> they just like stayed at home so i was like well maybe i'll just stay at home and do yeah. Maybe maybe I won't watch football if uh, they're not watching football or playing exactly. Football. Exactly. Yes, I can tell you that Becca, both Becca and her mother, because her mom, she was talking to her mom on the phone whilst the game was coming to a conclusion, were very confused and very upset as to why the Packers were losing to the Chargers. It's just one of those like I feel like every team's going to have them by the end of the year. One of those losses where you're like, "Whoa, how the hell did they lose to that team?" Etc. Hey, man. Didn't want to go 16 and zero anyways, or you didn't want to go 15 and one anyways. The losses make the, uh, the Super Bowl run all the more exciting. 12 and four. That's the sweet spot. There it is. That's, that's, that's how you win a Super Bowl. Uh, all right. We got lots to talk to talk to lots to talk about. I have quickly peeling back the onion curtain. So Becca and I had a Halloween party that we threw on Friday and it was a great success. Had a lovely time. Um, but we made the mistake of being, I mean, it's not a real mistake, but we provided alcohol and then we're told everyone be like, Hey, also bring something, be considerate, like bring a six pack or whatnot. So of course everyone did. And now we find ourselves with just way too much beer and alcohol in our house. And so we're very slowly making our way through it. Um, and I am having a beverage right now and I'm realizing that even just like a couple sips in my tongue, the heaviness of my tongue increases dramatically. 
Yeah, you gotta get those wares up for the for the winter months. You're in Michigan now. Gets, not, gets not cold. What it once was, I know. Um, so, anyways, we have lots to talk about today. We have week nine tidbits that we'll get into. Then we're going to turn our vision, our view to the future. We're going to maybe do a little bit of a do a little playoff fantasy playoff uh, prep. You know, a little helpful tidbit there. Obviously, talk waiver wire. But first, before we get into all of that, it is time to give week nine fantasy MVPs. Clark, we'll start with you. Who was your most valuable player uh, for week nine? I'm going to broken record it this week and nominate our Lord and Savior, Lamar Jackson. Uh, a lot of people, including myself, got to actually sit down and watch Lamar in real time instead of in the condensed version of NFL Game Pass. Against a really good team in the Pats, and God, he looked amazing and put up another huge game, uh, cementing his place as the QB1 this season. So maybe not real MVP, who I feel like you have to tip the hat to Russell Wilson, but fantasy MVP, Lamar Jackson once again. Yep, I have Lamar as my fantasy MVP for the week too because he did exactly what a fantasy MVP should do, go into a the most difficult matchup and decidedly handle it with no problems, score you three total touchdowns and get everything that you wanted from him. He was someone who up and leading up to the week, I was constantly like, do I start him? Do I not start him? I, you know, gave advice, wrote articles, was all the whole nine yards, like other guys who you could, you could stream. And then what do you know? He, uh, he goes out and just isn't even affected by the Patriots defense. So hundred percent, my, uh, my MVP for week nine, Nick, who do you have? So mine's kind of just uh, pat myself on the back here. I'm going with uh, DK Metcalf. He yeah. caught yeah, cut six of nine balls, 123 yards, a touchdown, a two-point conversion. He took the overall, going into Monday night, the overall wide receiver four position in half-point PPR. Uh, you were drafting this guy in like the 14th round, and he's giving you top five wide receiver production. But most importantly, what I want to do here is just run a commercial for the rundown because so far, I think we've accurately called every week of, of uh, DK Metcalf production since we started. And so if you want to know when to start DK Metcalf, go read <laughs> or watch the rundown. There you go. Yeah, don't let the baby face fool you. Nick's bringing it on the rundown show. The baby, the baby face that's now growing his beard back. He, he wants to get rid of the once the ginger normal man. He wants to get back to the ginger woodsman. It's getting cold fast in Seattle. <laughs> got to Got to warm those face, the face up. Jordan, who is your MVP for the week? Uh, my MVP for the week may not ever be the MVP for the rest of the season. It's going to be Kenyon Drake of the, uh, well now of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, he came in pitching relief basically after the, Cardinals lost David Johnson and Chase Edmonds to injury um, coming in on a Thursday night against the San Francisco 49ers what I'm sure that a lot of people kind of just plugged him in as like a prayer because they needed somebody to fill in um, and he stepped up and produced admirably against a, a really good 49er defense so uh, MVP to him for going above and beyond and making that uh, that panic start look good. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue because uh, week nine fantasy tidbits. Always got to do the uh, the T hand. 
we'll start right off with the backfield conundrums that we kind of saw develop this week and starting in Arizona. It's easy to forget that Thursday night, Kenyon Drake went crazy. Like you said, against the 49ers, 110 yards and a touchdown on the ground and then 52 through the air. Um, so Jordan, since you brought him up, is this legit? And the second question is, should D- David Johnson owners be terrified and uh, be selling him at all costs? Um, I feel like the move to add Kenyon Drake um, either says something a lot about what sort of injury they're ex- or what sort of injury David Johnson might have, um, even though he is expected to return in week 10. Um, I'm not entirely certain on what Chase Edmonds status is, but um, the fact that they went out and traded for a running back, I I don't know. I, I kind of like to believe that perhaps maybe he might be in like a rotation like the 49ers running backs or like the Packers running backs where they can give you a little bit of something. Um, I don't know. It, it might diminish David Johnson's role, though. If you can sell high on him, then maybe that might be the best move going forward. Yeah. If, if you can sell on DJ's name, then that's, I mean, really at this point in the year, if you can sell on somebody's name, like their, their draft value outside of like, you know, Saquon and all that, that's probably pretty solid. Um, Chase Edmonds is going to be out for a few more weeks because he's got the hamstring injury and uh, you know, soft tissue is always a, a few weeks, but it was, it was deemed pretty severe. So maybe two or three more weeks uh, given DJ's injury uh, and, you know, um, injuries I guess the ankle and the back I I absolutely think Kenyon Drake stays a part of this backfield yeah and he looked great coming I mean we knew like this is the thing that I was surprised um in last week so I do the weekly buy and sell uh column on fake teams and it was I had you know does Kenyon Drake now have fantasy value now that he's in Arizona and a lot of people the vast majority of people who voted were saying that they're selling that idea and I was surprised because Kenyon Drake we saw Kenyon Drake be productive in Miami from time to time when they actually decide to use him and had a good offense around him. And given the success that Chase Edmonds had just getting plugged into that, uh, you know, Arizona offense, I was all like, well, Kenya Drake's a good player. You're going to put him in there and you're going to get good results. I didn't expect, obviously, his first game to there with, you know, against the 49ers on Thursday night for him to suddenly go off. But I think it's a great sign. And I think that if you're a DJ owner, I am selling him for whatever I can possibly get because I don't see how he's going to come back. Even if he does come back healthy, he's not going to come back to the workload that we all expected him to have at the beginning of this season. He's going to come back into a committee and Kenyon Drake is clearly going to be a big part of that moving forward. Another running back conundrum that cropped up this week was the Steelers backfield, which was all kinds of banged up uh, to the point where there were reports that they thought about trading for Le'Veon Bell to bring him back in, which would just be the most beautiful, uh, beautiful circle of, you know, time is a never ending circle, flat circle. What's the, uh, what's the true detective thing? Time's a flat circle. Isn't that it? Yeah. Okay. I'm getting nods because everyone's muted. Uh, <laughs> so it was Jalen Samuels and Trey Edmonds who got it done Sunday against the Colts. Samuels through the air, 13 catches for on 13 targets for 73 yards. And then Edmonds on the ground for 12 carries and 37 yards. Nick, Edmonds is the one who's wildly more available. Can we expect this split moving forward? Do, do you think that you're going to see Edmonds get the groundwork and Samuels get the air? Or is this kind of a one case off and Jalen Samuels is really the guy who you should be targeting uh, in this Steelers backfield? 
Well, so I, I think what's important to to keep in mind with this is that Jalen Samuels, I'm pulling up the box score right now. Uh, the dude had, he, he led the team in targets and catches. He had 13 targets and he caught all of them. Regardless of format, that's outstanding usage. Um, he posted, I think, 70-some yards through the air and uh, and still racked up eight carries on the ground. Um, so even, even in a matchup where we saw someone uh, in the backfield out carry him, he still had 21 touches like that that's that's bell cow usage just um, round of applause for that quick math by nick thanks um <laughs> but that's it's it's kind of like the uh i'm, I'm, I'm totally blanking on on the backfield right now there uh but anyway i mean that we could see somewhat of a i don't know maybe a, a denver situation probably not. A- anyway or do you see like um, the chargers because the chargers is a pretty like even split melvin gordon gets the groundwork and then in Austin Eckler gets the pass work. Is that what you're thinking? Or are you thinking it's more so like Denver where it is like Philip Lindsay is the clear kind of one a, and then Royce Freeman is a one B and you can get good gains from him, but really Lindsay's the one who you want to own. No, I I, I was thinking of the Niners, but the chargers is a lot better. Uh, Yeah. That's a lot better. But, but, but the thing is the primary back in this situation is the, the pass catcher. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not shying away from Jalen Samuels. That being said, I, I also, if I've got a bench spot to burn or I'm, you know, in, in need of a running back, adding Edmonds is not a bad idea at all. Moving on in the tidbits in the week nine tidbits. Uh, we suddenly saw a dolphins offense that came out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, not out of nowhere. I mean, any team with Ryan Fitzmagic on it you know that that team is going to have some offensive production. And we saw it Sunday, three touchdowns, 288 yards to the air. Preston Williams catching two of those touchdowns for 72 yards. Devontae Parker had 57 yards in a touchdown. And Mike Gesicki, uh, tight end coming out of nowhere, 95 yards on six catches. Clark, do the Jets' defense, or is their defense just garbage, or is the uh, Dolphins' offense worth buying into? I think the Jets – defense is not good and the jets are just not good so it's a good matchup to look to play against uh, i even though i've been hyping a little bit of Devonte parker uh he is just fine i would not look at this as some great change in the dolphins offense if you are desperate and wide receiver and need to continue playing Devonte parker that's fine but you should not take this as an opportunity to jump on the Dolphins bandwagon. They are still horrible. They just won a game, and I know that that's <laughs> fresh in our memory. But don't run out and drop someone you've been hanging on to or, or think that this is going to be kind of what we see for the second half of the season. Devontae Parker is fine. He's a wide receiver three flex option, but I, I would not let this one victory change the way you're thinking about the Dolphins. So I, I'm, I'm a little excited here, and I want to kind of uh, try to get you back on the Devontae Parker bandwagon. So some, I, unless I missed Clark, it, like, founded the Devontae Parker bandwagon, has talked himself off of it, and now Nick's like, no, 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 no come back on, come back on, come back on, we need you. Yeah, someday uh, uh, Clark and I are going to see eye-to-eye on receivers, but it, it is not today. Um, <laughs> so I don't, did, you, did you cover this in the intro? I don't think I heard it. So both uh, uh, Preston Williams towards ACL, he's out for the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we we're, there is news. There's injury news that we'll get to, Nick. So, yeah. I mean, whatever. It's cool. You spoil it. Whatever. I was trying to build the well, suspense. Get it's people's hopes up. <laughs> are you going to cover? Are you going to cover suspension news too? Yes, Mark Walton also got suspended. Oh, okay. Nick. <laughs> so, but, but, but yes, the, the Dolphins' thing, like, offense has now gone from like this, like ooh, interesting fantasy goldmine to it's basically Devonte Parker is who you want to buy. 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's realistic now that the guy can be racking in like 15 targets a game. So screw it. If you need a receiver, that's awesome. That's elite usage. It's not going to be pretty, but like, I don't see a way that he doesn't get double digit targets every week. And I, Kalen Balaj is Kalen Balaj, but you know, a bell cow is a bell cow at this point. I don't know who else they have on their roster. So if Mark Walton's out for the next, oh God, don't get excited about him. But can anyone Adam, say Jay Ajayi reunion? Oh, that's fun. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, abdicate talking about the Dolphins for now. We can bring it up in a little bit. Yeah. Devontae the- Parker, expected air yards champ. <laughs> it finally paid off. Yeah, I, I, I hope I don't come across as saying sell and abandon Devontae Parker. I just want to temper expectations because it is going to be up and down uh, because the Dolphins are just bad. So there's something to a Cardinals offense where they have had three uh, running backs of varying talent levels show that they can be productive. It's obviously a good scheme that features a running back. And as long as you have a certain level of skill, you're going to go off and do fine, even though the team's not that great. The Dolphins is very much a different story, I think, with the up and down nature of their game. And we are kind of closing in on the fantasy playoffs here. So I'm. Uh, it's not a sell recommendation. This is just saying let's not mortgage your team's future to run out and, and get old it's, Mr. Parker. It's also always scary buying into the Dolphins because their whole premise of existing this season is to lose games. And so like, you don't necessarily want to buy into an offense that is like, sole purpose is to not score a lot of points so that they can lose games. I, I love point. Yeah. Get at him. Jordan, what's your oh. counterpoint? <laughs> what the hell? Counterpoint. <laughs> Silence. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard to tell when I'm not visible. Um, <laughs> counterpoint. The Dolphins are bad. Yes. But also they have the easiest defensive schedule. Um, remaining amongst uh, in fantasy. So for fantasy points scored in possible fantasy football weeks, they play the New York Jets again, uh, the New York Giants. And the we're not sure if they'll have a week 16 win by then, Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, God. You left the Eagles off of there, my man. I, I was just saying uh, playoff. During the fantasy playoffs, that's fair. But yeah, also Eagles, Browns before that. Oh, yeah, that is a pretty nice lineup. Yeah, that is saucy. I'm being talked into (laughs) Clark's being more excited. (laughs) He's he's twiddling his beard. Y'all are making some some fine points about why maybe I should be more excited about Clark's about to burn all of his fab to get Devontae Parker. You already have Devontae Parker. What are you doing, Clark? Why are you talking yourself (laughs) off the bandwagon? You don't even have to go get him. People oh, should come at me with good Devontae Parker trade offers. There I'm just go. saying, I will give you Devontae Parker for David Johnson. I'm willing to take <laughs> that chance. There you go. Look at that. Uh, all right, moving on in tidbits. Uh, we know that the Browns offense has sucked this season, but in case you need a reminder, Baker gave that gave us a reminder both on the field uh, by not getting it done against the Broncos and off the field by rocking a post-game outfit that made us worry that he was going to leave the Browns for cigarettes and never come back. Uh, <laughs> thanks Jordan <laughs> Baker 27 for 42 273 yards and a touchdown the biggest crime though of this is the fact that Odell Beckham in a game in which the Browns were behind and needed to throw their way back into it Odell saw six targets 
Someone explain to me how this player who you traded a buttload to get onto your team, who's one of the most talented receivers in the game, has averaged eight targets per game this season and get six in a more or less must-win game against a team that you probably could beat in a game that you were down, you needed to throw yourself into. Why is just asinine to me? And to this, I say that Odell Beckham, and stay tuned for this week's buy or sell piece on fake teams, Odell Beckham belongs on your bench until we see otherwise. I have no faith in this Browns offense anymore, in this passing game especially. Baker Mayfield is rattled out of his mind. Freddie Kitchens can't freaking goddamn coach an offense. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And for whatever reason, Odell Beckham is here stuck in this offense like, what the fuck? Eli Manning was able to get me 100 yards a game. Why can't fucking Baker Mayfield, the future of the Browns, get me 100 yards? My only comment here is... uh... As a society, and certainly as sports fans, and sometimes even the fantasy industry is worse than this, we like to deify people one day and then crucify them the next. So I feel like Baker Mayfield has proven uh, to be a jerk at every opportunity, but that doesn't mean that we can't be adults and uh, not be so mean. He's fine. He, he, everyone, yeah. everyone goes through their struggles. It's more of the thing. It's not what what is amazing to me is it's the clearly that it's the offensive construction to the point where why why are you not just force feeding the ball to Odell? Like why why trade all of your pieces, all of these you know first round picks and all of these assets to get this guy on your team to be that piece, and then more or less just ignore him the entire season. Yeah, I agree with the take completely. The football take. Uh, I just have this little thing in me sure. that when I see someone getting picked on constantly, I kind of feel like I have to say like, hey, let's not do that anymore, right? Like, yes, he totally deserves it. But wh- <laughs> why they aren't going to Odell is unfathomable. Uh, I know everyone was this uh, offseason salivating over looking at what Eli can do and looking at what uh, Baker Mayfield can do. But Eli apparently understood where his bread was buttered and at least would chuck it up to Odell. And we're not seeing that in Cleveland. So Hopefully they can turn it around. Their schedule does get much better as the season closes out. I think your take on uh, resting Odell for your fantasy team is a good one because it's kind of like earlier this year when I was saying, hey, keep playing Jordan Howard until you see a reason not to. Well, now we've seen that reason not to, so you can get Miles Sanders in there. I think with Odell, we're at the point where I keep benching him until you see a reason not to, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, similar to the conversations we were having for the first four weeks of the season about Kirk Cousins, uh, I, I feel very similarly with with Baker Mayfield, where the Vikings dialed up the play action rate a ton. They started taking shots further downfield and passing a little bit more often on early downs. And now Kirk Cousins is like sneaking into the MVP discussion. Um, so much of football performance is just on the coaches entirely. And something that I chose to ignore in the offseason about the Browns uh, was Freddie Kitchens' uh, number of uh, number of plays per game once he took over for the Browns. I think it was like 59 or something, which is perhaps the slowest in the league, 59 plays per game. It usually hovers in the mid to low 60s. If you can get to like 69 or 70, you're probably leading the league. If you hit 60 or 59, there you go, Clark, uh, you're, you're at the bottom of the league. We want as many plays in a game as possible, more more opportunity to score points. I don't know if I personally have experienced rooting for a coach and then done an entire 180 on him as quickly as I have with Freddie Kitchens. I, I was promised that Todd Monken would come in and lead an air raid offense here, uh, although he did have the, uh, the, the slow play, 
play counts on his record. I, you know, I ignored that, but it's, it's really unbelievable what they're doing. And he also doubled down on his donkeyism by declaring that Dontrell Hilliard is in fact the official third down running back of the Cleveland Browns. What are we doing here? And what are we doing here, Cleveland? And that when Kareem Hunt returns today, he said this, that he will definitely have a role. It's like, what? Okay, so running backs don't matter, but you still want good running backs on the field more than ones that aren't as good, right? Nick Chubb is amazing. The guy is a pro bowler, if not an all pro, and he's very good in all facets of the game. Why? And also, if you take the guy off the field and then you have designated Nick, running backs, Nick, 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 yeah, Nick. now I'm fired up. <laughs> if you have designated players, you are telling the defense what you're doing. This is, I will always be able to tie everything back into Seattle. It's like if you have one passing formation, the defense knows what you're doing. Why do that part for them? So, why right. have Jotrell Hilliard, who's not as good of a pass catcher or runner or pass protector as Nick Chubb? It just, oh my God. Why? It's it's amazing. And I understand that like everyone's going to be like, well, why did you ever put faith in the Browns? Like that's the narrative is there for like, they were this off season darling because of the moves they made. They put their faith in a coach who was able to get some things done in the second half of last year, but maybe by maybe, I mean, most likely was not their best option and probably they should have looked out of house and tried to bring someone in to really kind of spice up and really take this offense to a next level. Yes. There was, there's issues around their offensive line that they've looked the best and that they have, they haven't addressed, but it's just this, this whole, this is one of the things that frustrated me. And I'm sure Jordan can relate to this during the Mike McCarthy Packers years where it was just like Mike McCarthy wouldn't fucking change anything in this offense. And it was just this antiquated like ISO routes running with wide receivers. And that worked when Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson like shared a brain and could just throw back, you know, back shoulder passes for all day. But then when Jordy Nelson got injured and they were still integrating Devontae Adams, like what you need to do is then construct an offense that works with what the pieces you have and run and move forward with that. And the, and the Browns just haven't done that. And what's what's flummoxing to me is that the Browns are doing like haven't done this when they have like some of the most talent on the offensive side of the ball in the pass catchers and in the running backs. And they have no idea how to scheme these guys open, no idea how to get the ball to them. And basically, while it's, while Sam Darnold is seeing ghosts because of how you know that team because of. Uh, kind of a bad case. Like I feel like what's happening to Sam Darnold and the Jets is what's happening to Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Like the Browns are making Baker Mayfield take a step back just in the way that the Jets are making Sam Darnold take a step back. And it's, it's mind blowing to me that, that this is where we are at with this team that had so much going for it in this offseason, has all of the pieces there and they just can't put together a product onto the field. And it's like, what are we doing here? What are, what, what's the point? Sorry, last thing, and I'll shut the hell up. Todd Monken gave us the number three overall quarterback in fantasy football combined with Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. They threw for 400 yards like every game. Just do that again. Just, just, just take that offense. Take that offense and just plop it right in here. It's, oh, God. Anyway, sorry, Jordan, go for it, man. Uh, yeah, you know, Mike McCarthy is slash was a, pretty big football egotist um, with his offense. Like this is going to be what we run, how we run, because I think it works. And he's, he largely had earned that because he had won a Super Bowl. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, Freddie Kitchens and Adam Gase have not won Super Bowls <laughs> as head coaches. Um, yeah. So it, it's just, 
it's really perplexing to me. Uh, we kind of said this earlier in the season too, that it's really weird when you have like a super good play caller, just kind of on staff, but not doing anything. Um, but yeah, this is, turns out to be a pretty big week for, for the, uh, those of us who thought that the Browns were maybe a nine win team and the Ravens were going to win the NFC AFC North, but uh, nine wins might've been overselling them even still. I need the uh, Cowboys kicker to not get 12 points. And uh, <laughs> yeah, just reacting to that. Uh, so while I'm, I guess I'm sitting on my soapbox of morality tonight, Perfect. I would just like to add uh, making mistakes and having confidence in yourself is fine. But when you realize that you're wrong, doubling down is the difference between a smart person and a stupid person. It's okay to admit you're wrong and try something else. That absolutely seems like what is happening here. Like 100%. The, now I'm not going to give it up. Yeah. Uh, all right. Finally, in the tidbits, I uh, got some injury news. Nick stomping all over my uh, all over my turf here by reporting some of this early. But whatever. It's cool. I don't hold grudges. Adam Thielen left the Chiefs game early, re-aggravating his hamstring injury, which is less than ideal. Obviously, like we talked about, Preston Williams is out for the season, which sucks. Uh, because he was having putting together a, a pretty good rookie season. Uh, and Mark Walton, the running back for the Dolphins, is now suspended for four games due to performance enhancing drugs or something like that. Substance abuse, I don't know, something like that. Uh, Deshaun Jackson is also set to have surgery to repair a core muscle, I guess. So he'll be out for the rest of the season. And then I haven't gotten an update on this, but Jacoby Brissett went down with an MCL sprain, and I don't know if there's a timetable yet uh, addressed to that, but my guess is that he'll be missing one to two games. So Brissett was a little bit rough because it was like he got his ankle like slash foot rolled up on and then his knee rolled up on. Yeah, it didn't but look great. He, he, he was listed as questionable, so I feel like maybe if they were really gunning for it, if it was like a playoff game, he would have been back in there. But, I mean, Brian Hoyer did fine kind of so. Hey, three <laughs> so, off the bench yeah the the Brissett injury was just a a mild uh mcl sprain and from what i can tell the the ankle was okay it might be like a low vert low inversion ankle sprain which is like a basketball sprain that you can just tape up and play on no problem um he might be back this week Brissett might be back this week well there you go those were week nine fantasy football tidbits before we get into our uh, early fantasy playoff prep, we are going to take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back. 
from advertisements, and we are going to. This is Clark's idea, actually. So, Clark, why don't you introduce this? Tell us, tell us what we're talking about for the rest of the pod. So, there's a couple of different seasons within the fantasy football season. At first, you're just trying to get traction. You hope that your draft went well, and then you're trying to pick up guys that are coming out of nowhere in kind of the middle of the season. We are approaching the end of the middle of the fantasy season, so the the playoffs should be within view. You should have a good idea of what type of team that you're going to be. If you listen to us going into your fantasy playoffs, that's for sure. You're welcome. Thanks to the Oracle and other great people like Nick and Jordan. And I get to come along, which is fun. So and you need I to start hope. preparing. <laughs> there we go. And oh, frig. Uh, so this is the time where uh, guys on your roster who are probably never going to start for you, but you think that they're too good to drop are droppable when you can do things like backing up Dalvin Cook with Alexander Madison, or when you can start taking a shot on a guy like Tony Pollard when you're the Ezekiel Elliott owner. So your time it's time to start preparing. It's time to start looking at the fantasy playoff schedules finally, and it's time to start making those playoff runs. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we all have just kind of thoughts, ideas, advice, things that were, were percolating in our minds um, that we're going to just kind of kind of discuss and talk about and kind of get the juices flowing as you do, like Clark said, get ready for the playoffs and, and start looking at your roster more as like a, okay, these are players I could probably pass on because they're just not going to get me anything. Who can I add in their stead? And what are some strategies that you need to have going into it? Uh, so Clark, why don't you start us off? What is one thing that you are, you're thinking people need to start kind of preparing for in the playoffs? So I got a little excited and kind of blew my load early on this one. Uh, so it's time to start handcuffing your stud running backs. Uh, if someone is waiting for Alvin Kamara to come back and they've dropped Latavius Murray on the bye week, you need to go pick him up. Uh, all the Ezekiel Elliott owners need to get Tony Pollard, who's largely available in leagues. Uh, when a situation is good and you've been riding that guy all year, uh, don't let an injury in week 13 be the end of your season. Go ahead and back up your stud running back now when it's super cheap. Because you know you have the roster spot. Uh, just go ahead and do it. Bite the bullet. Yeah. I mean, because it's it's so often, too, that if you get any kind of ding, you know, if, or or what you get is you get the week 16, week 17, they rest their star running back because the team is you know, already locked up the playoff seed. And now if you don't have, like, let's say, let's say, I'm trying to think who would this most likely apply to. I was going to say Dalvin Cook, but I don't think the Vikings are going to be able to lock up a, a, a bye because they're always going to be playing for playoff position. But like, let's hypothetically say that that is it. You know, you don't want to get in a situation where the Vikings rest Dalvin Cook and you don't have Alexander Madison. Or or like Clark said, Ezekiel Elliott and you don't have Tony Pollard. Um, so I think having those guys on your roster are is a huge point and, and a big advantage that you can give yourself once you get into that playoff push, because now you're not relying on, you're not watching all of that production that your back had go to someone else. Yeah. I think another unsexy name for that list is Gus Edwards. The Ravens are sitting comfortably in the lead in the AFC North. And uh, at some point they, they'll probably want to give their, uh, I think now 30 year old running back Mark Ingram, a little time to ride the pine and the uh, <laughs> invest in someone in the Niners backfield. <laughs> they're yeah, they're undefeated Mostert, right now. Yeah. You know, that'd be an could awesome be a good one. play. Uh, and and yeah. I picked up Justice Hill before the game last night as well, just to just to take cool. a shot on some Ravens running back. I think I probably shot for the stars yeah. and missed the the single of picking up no, Edwards. I think that's a better pick. You know, I love Justice Hill. I, I today when the Deshaun Jackson news came out, I, I dropped him ahead of this game for Tony Pollard. 
Another one to add to that list, I would go with um, Raquel Armstead to back up Leonard Fournette because as we've seen, and it hasn't happened so much this season, but Leonard Fournette tends to accumulate a lot of ding tiki tack injuries that can just really derail his value. So yeah, that's a great call because the Jaguars are basically, I saw some percentage numbers where it's basically like Leonard Fournette is 95% of their backfield. And so if he goes down, then there's just massive gaping hole. that's just waiting for Rykel Armstead to waltz right into. And they've already started using him in the passing game more. Yeah. And this, I guess the, the synopsis of this tip is that I don't really like handcuffing at the beginning of the year and with my drafts, but things have changed now. So now you have a better idea of what to look for. So I think handcuffing at this time of the season is, is smarter. There we go. I should have written that down. And, said that. <laughs> and kind of in that vein, I'm not one who normally advocates for if you're playing in a one quarter, if you're playing in a two quarterback league, you should, or a super flex league, you should obviously have two quarterbacks in your roster. But if you're playing in a one quarterback league, I don't often advocate for having a backup quarterback on your roster, just because that's another spot that can be used for a wide receiver or a running back. And for the most part, you're, you know, your quarterback's going to get you solid production unless there's garbage and you can start streaming, but, uh, and you just can stream for the buy. But I do think that as the playoffs come, if you are someone who has Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, or Patrick Mahomes as your starting quarterback, it might sound crazy, but you should think about getting yourself a backup quarterback because those three have the toughest schedules for the rest of the year. Four of the seven remaining games for Rodgers are against top 12 defenses and limiting quarterback production. The Chiefs close out with at Patriots versus Broncos, at Bears, and versus Chargers. And Lamar has the 49ers, Buffalo, and Steelers in the last five weeks of the season. So that's three out of his last five games. So those are all tough matchups for quarterbacks. And you just want to make sure that similarly to handcuffing a running back, you want to make sure you have a guy on your roster who, if you get one bad game out of an Aaron Rodgers or a Patrick Mahomes, that you have someone you can quickly throw in. Meanwhile, like Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy G, Nick Foles slash Minshew, whoever they ride with, Sam Darnold and Jameis Winston, those guys all have the easiest schedules rest of the way with Jameis highlighting that list. And a lot of those guys are still readily available on waiver wires. So that's those are names that you could quickly stash, have on your roster if there is a must-win game and you've got a really tough matchup uh, at one of the, you know, if it's Rogers, Lamar, or Mahomes, you can then have someone to fill in uh, moving forward. Uh, similarly, that was going to be kind of a tidbit that I had in terms of um, quarterbacks and making sure you have like a decent backup. But I was going to make it as an addendum to that. Um, make sure you have a guy that isn't about to be. Uh, I'm going to use Jimmy Garoppolo actually as the example. They're on an he's on an eight and zero team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, if they end up walking into week sixteen. And they're, you know, 15 and oh, 14 and one, they're probably very likely not going to be playing Jimmy Garoppolo or uh, just given his in- in injury history, they know what they have with Nick Mullen. So, quarterbacks who are running away with their division, with the number one seed in the conference, they are very risky to kind of be hold- hanging your. Uh, playoff and possible championship bet on. So you're going to want somebody who's uh, still got something to play for down the stretch. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to rest the reins 
from Pete yet again, but my second one is, it's time to start looking at your quarterback situation if you have been streaming quarterbacks, and it's time to start looking at schedules. So uh, yeah. like you mentioned, Pete, the Jaguars host the Chargers, they're at the Raiders, and then at the Falcons. Whether that's Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles, you could do that's, a lot worse. That's a good uh, lineup. Than yeah. taking a shot on those guys. The Browns, I know we've been talking about Baker Mayfield a little bit, host the Bengals at the Cardinals, uh, and then they they host the Ravens week 16. So that was tough. Uh, but then the Giants have the Eagles host the Dolphins and then at Washington. So Daniel Jones might be a good one to look. Uh, we're coming off the bye weeks. People are going to start dropping these guys if they haven't already. Uh, and Pete, couldn't agree with you more. During the season, if you have a good quarterback, do not waste the roster spot. But again, this is that time of the year where you can go ahead and start making those right. preparations for your playoff. Run. Like one game, one game is what matters. Or if you're playing, you know, two weeks and you accumulate two, like you, it's now come down to, it's not a whole collection of the year. It's, it's now one or two games. You need to make sure that you have the pieces on your roster that if you need to suddenly make a change or things go kind of haywire, you have the pieces there that you're able to quickly adapt and adjust. So I want to make uh, two, two quick points for this playoff stuff They're and they're contradictory. So that'll be fun. Uh, first off <laughs> yes on brand you, for the rb1 podcast <laughs> yeah i got you guys so uh first off try to acquire if you're if you're still allowed to make some trades which you should be because it'd be really early uh try to acquire both aj green and christian kirk aj green has stated that he wants to return for this week it's week 10 um he's only said that recently we would have told you to get him sooner um if he'd let us know uh earlier but anyway he has said that he wants to come back this week against the Ravens. It's a divisional opponent, and he has returned to practice today. So go get yourself some AJ Green and probably start him immediately. <laughs> I've, been, I've been holding on to him on my bench for this entire season just for this moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is a very difficult matchup, but I, there's a good shot that they just drop bombs all day long towards him. I don't think that the ankle has really been the issue I think he's he's more or less just kind of held out because he wants a new contract and he didn't get it. So I, I expect him to be pretty damn healthy at this point. I mean, well, anyway, we don't need to get into all the, the injury stuff, but I think he's healthy and I think that he's going to be heavily targeted. Outside of that, uh, Christian Kirk has seen just awesome workloads. He does have a bit of a difficult schedule, but, you know, he, he mans the slot. So next few games – oh, actually, worth starting with here. Uh, in one of his games so far in week four, he he did get hurt halfway through. Outside of that, his fully healthy games, his target totals are 12, 8, 12, 5, 11, and 5. That's awesome usage. He's got San, uh, he's got uh, Tampa Bay and San Francisco coming up. Tampa Bay is phenomenal, uh, phenomenal matchup. San Francisco in the slot is also a phenomenal matchup. Then he goes on by. After that, the Rams, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and Seattle. It's a little mixed uh, in terms of schedule strength, but if, if you have a receiver who is probably going to be either your wide receiver two or flex option who is getting double-digit targets or should be able to get double-digit targets, that's awesome. Now, all that being said, don't really bother with, with targeting players. Just go look at your league. There are teams that have big needs. There are teams that are in dead last. Maybe you're in a keeper league and they need – some uh, young, cheap players to keep next year. Maybe there's another team that's making a playoff push and you're already in first and you want to give them some, you know, one stud to go get two badass guys. Probably don't do that. Ship, you know, ship them two players and go get yourself one stud. But the point is, look at, look at your league and try to figure out who needs what and see if you have something that matches up. Trying to get identify specific players can oftentimes lead you down just frustrating roads where someone goes, no, I'm not giving you that one guy, so shut up. 
everyone has a weakness. If you can find someone's weakness, exploit it. Yeah, I like the advice. And just in general, the two for one is the way to go. I have a guy in my league who is maddeningly good at the two for one trade and everyone talks about it every year. And then he rolls into the playoffs with just a stellar lineup. Uh, and yeah, the, 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 the core of the advice I think is, is being flexible instead of focusing on one person that you really want and spending all of your attention there. Don't be afraid to make a few offers because there's a lot of good guys out there. We have a pretty good idea of, you know, who's good and who's not. So there's lots of options, uh, package something up and try to really build that team that is just going to crush it in the playoffs. And also persevere. Sometimes you get some really <laughs> negative responses like, fuck no. When you make a trade offer, just keep trying. Sometimes people are dicks. That doesn't mean they won't make a trade with you if you keep trying hard enough. So stay strong, you guys. <laughs> Take those rejections. Nick's advice. Ahead, stay strong. I like yeah. Nick hopping up on the soapbox. Yeah, me, giving some I like life this. Advice. Persevere, guys. I like this. Yeah. Stay strong. No, exploit their weaknesses. Persevere. Can I right. add to that trade etiquette point? Of course. For for anybody who's listening, maybe you're in a dynasty league or even just a regular um, redraft league. If you if you get a trade offer from somebody else in your league, consider the trade offer. If you don't like it, then reject it. If you would be like, hmm, I'd be consider I would consider moving the person that they want, then make a new offer. They're not going to give you their best offer right away. So you're automatically a winner. It's a low ball offer that they're going to, it's up to you to negotiate that price. That's how it works. So, uh, you know, do a little back and forth. If you're interested in making the deal, it's not a, a one deal, take it or leave it type of thing. Yeah. I, Jordan, I like that point a lot. I think sometimes, uh, trade offers get thrown out and, uh, whether you are on the receiving end and you think it's like appalling or you send one to someone and they're like, go fuck it. You know, they send you like some stacked trade just to be like, fuck you. Um, people value players differently, right? Like it, there's yeah. a reason we have to do rankings every week. We, we all value players really differently. And sometimes those are genuine offers. Don't pass something up. I, I really like that point, Jordan. Don't just send a no or like a, a, a big negative response try to understand if they have legit trade uh, interest and, and send some counters because things can come out of nowhere. I, I've had trades already on the books and then revisited with that same person. And suddenly it went from a two player trade to like a six player trade, just because we were so into the idea of making a big move. So always explore your options. Never, never shut someone down immediately. Or if you get shut down, keep working on it. Something can happen. And that's from personal experience, too, because I am always going to try to come out as the winner in a trade when I first send out an offer, <laughs> but I'm willing to compromise <laughs> down to uh, both people at least think they have one type of deal. And another soapbox moment. Hey, uh, be polite. You guys generally, this, I'm feeling, generally treat people with respect. I'm feeling really good about this <laughs> podcast tonight, guys. <laughs> um, we talked about running backs. And I want to quickly touch on a theme that's also not only kind of handcuffing backs, but it's another thing where it's uh, because we've talked so much about like players to add players to get onto your roster. How do you prepare? There's also important to talk about players who you can safely drop, who are players that you can move on from. And I think that you'll see this trend. We've already seen it kind of uh, kind of come to fruition, but this is the time of the year when it does is when those older veteran starters at running back get replaced. 
by the younger rookie or younger player who they're kind of expecting them to do things. Two names that jump off to jump off the page to me, Frank Gore and Buffalo, Devin Singletary has been become basically the go-to back there. Um, and has been seeing a lot more of the workload and has been producing. So I think Frank Gore is a safe name to drop and Peyton Barber in Tampa Bay. Ronald Jones is coming off of a huge week and Nick is freaking out right now. <laughs> and, and Bruce Arians has said that Ronald Jones has now worked his way to this, basically the starting role and is going to see more touches. And so I think over the next couple of weeks, you're going to start seeing that more and more where you're going to see younger players come in and take over that incumbent starting role from that veteran and it's okay, be comfortable with the idea of then dropping that veteran and going to get someone else on that waiver wire. Frank Gore, Peyton Barber, I don't know if this is going to happen yet, but Darius Geis is now practicing and playing. And if he looks good and he looks healthy, he's going to eat into Adrian Peterson's workload. And Adrian Peterson, they're going to want to, you know, kind of push Geis up and give him a chance to succeed. That could be another another opportunity there to uh, to drop a veteran player and kind of free up a roster space. But that's a trend to definitely look for uh, as the season in the next couple of weeks when you're trying to free roster spaces up to make moves. Yeah, there's been a lot of focus on running back, obviously. And I think just the, the key is that it's so much easier to predict running back. When a wide receiver goes down, two or three guys <laughs> might – pick up the slack and that's tough. And you're going to have to make those decisions probably in your fantasy playoffs. Uh, but there's just countless examples, all of which are escaping my head right now. Of, <laughs> you know, blank running back who we weren't really even sure was in the league weeks, 15, 16 and 17, won championships. I keep, I'm thinking like the saints before they picked up Mark Ingram, there was always Tim some Hightower. Yes. Thank Boom, you. There you <laughs> go. Like that's going to happen. And, and we know that it is. And it's, I it's going to be a lot easier to predict that after an injury at running back than it is, you know, like if, if Christian card can't play anymore, like where is all that production going to go in Arizona? Like that, this is going to be a lot harder to do. So focus on where we have a better shot and that's getting in early on these running backs instead of trying to wait when everyone is going for them. And in the fantasy playoffs, you're going to be playing as better players. So it's going to be harder to get these guys. Love the idea of what we're talking about here too. Um, what is dead may never die Frank Gore, but he is hasn't scored double digit points since week four of the fantasy season. If he isn't already not in your lineup, maybe he belongs on the waivers by now. Um, Buffalo additionally um, is the sixth best rush D, or rush offense by DVOA. Um, in addition to Darius Geis, if he gets the chance to take over, um, especially if uh, you know, the breadsticks feel like they're in a position where it's like, Hey, we got to start seeing what our young guys can do. Um, I can also see them turning to guys, uh, BT dub. He's only 32.6% owned in ESPN leagues currently. And Washington has the number five easiest schedule for running backs. Darius guys, Darius guys. He belongs on your fantasy roster. I'm so excited. I've been waiting for him. He's another player who I've been waiting for to break out. Man, those breadsticks, I am just, like, you know, starting to really be concerned for their players. I don't know if it's just that we're hearing mm, the same story over and over and over, and so it feels like it's happening really often, but it seems like that a lot of guys that get injured in Washington just have a really, really hard time coming back. And again, I'm trying to tease out, is it just we know the story and so it's being told repeatedly, or if there is, like, a serious problem going on down there. 
Yeah, they've had more players come back uh, too early from injury and then require another injury because of that than any other team uh, in the league over the last. I I, uh, I, I think I'm trying to remember wh- who who was discussing this, but uh, it was over the last few years. Um, the most any other team I think had had was one, and they're at like three or four. I mean, they I legit talking- misdiagnosed Trent Williams to having a having cancer, and we're just like, no, you don't. Don't worry about totally. that. Totally, yeah. Um, Alex Smith has had seventeen surgeries oh. on his broken leg. Yo, um, the did you see their Halloween photo? They had no. their their family Halloween photo. It was really it was a, a very fun play on the whole thing. It was he was getting he was a beachgoer who was being attacked by sharks, which were his kids, and then his wife was the uh, was the lifeguard. But you saw his leg out of a cast. That thing is a tree trunk. Like that's not healing at all. He doesn't have a calf muscle. Like it's just it is just swollen from from hip to ankle. It that's does so not sad. look good. It does not yeah, look good. And- so and it's 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 re- it's a really interesting phenomenon, Clark, because their their head doctor, Doctor James Andrews, is like the most well respected surgeon. Uh, he also in, fucked in up all Gronk's things. And so, yeah, w- what's going on there? Yeah. Is is the medical staff clearing them too early? Is this dude? Is the doctor washed up? I it, something has happened because Darius guys never should have come back as early as he did. Yeah, yeah, because you know, again. Three cleanup surgeries. Yeah, because Gronk had that this, is crazy. This was the same thing with Gronk's forearm. Why he had that massive arm cast for the rest of his career? Because he had like four different surgeries on his forearm, and D- David Andrews was the guy who who did all of that. Yeah. And there and there's a lot going on here with I, I, you know the specific doctor. It's it's tough to get into sure. you know, how much authority this person has, and you know the more at bats you have, the more strikeouts you're going to have. But it's just it's concerning, and you should pick up Darius Geis, but. We're on the soapbox podcast, so I'm just I'm concerned for the football players in Washington. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone no, pulling a soapbox hot podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, I I I endorse your message there, Clark. I do think that there is uh, a very real element that exists with Darius Geis that doesn't exist with other football players in the league because he is a guy playing for a team that has shown that they are willing to put players on the field who are not ready, and that isn't something that we see. Like we, I mean, we see that with concussions. We see that with things that aren't. Um, aren't visible to the eye, but we we don't see that with like a guy who's limping, right? <laughs> you know, it's, like it's it's a little different. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, I in theory, guys is a good ad. He scares the hell out of me, and I don't think I'm going to be putting any money on him. Oh, I love him. Uh, before we go into since this is an excellent transition into top waiver wire ads for week ten, is there any other playoff prep? advice that you guys wanted to throw out before we head on to uh wave wire ads for week 10 i have i have one last one uh i do not win my leagues very often uh but when i do i like to throw at least one entry fee to some charity and fantasy cares is a good one it's a good tradition to get going in your league it's hard to tell someone hey you should spend your money this way but you can lead by example you just want a bunch of money that you shouldn't have anyway (laughs) Uh, you know, there's a lot of kids out there that don't get Christmas, you know, throwing them an extra hundred bucks or something is a really awesome thing to do. It's super selfish too, because you feel great. So <laughs> you should do that. Uh, I have another one that's not as, um, not as nice as Clark's. It's, it's not, uh, it's actually more selfish arguably, but uh, it's to help your fantasy team out. Once we get to the December month here, I'm calling it the kicker rule. 
which is watch out for those weather reports. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't want to be starting a, a kicker or, you know, like a, a quarterback probably. Um, when there's a blizzard in, you know, Green Bay, in New York, Philadelphia, Cincinnati, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, you just don't want to have to deal with that. We already got a little bit of a taste of that this season when um, – I believe it was the Vikings when they went to Washington and it was a, it was a 49ers. 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. And it was basically a slip and slide match, which kind of, I don't know if I had too many players in that game, but it it definitely caught me off guard and I live here. So um, (laughs) (laughs) you just kind of uh, be aware of it and, you know, kickers count too. So if there's swirling winds or flurries, it's harder for them to kick unless you're Adam Vinatieri and, um, yeah, it's just a just a little extra effort can help you win a championship here. Yeah, and that's a and that's a great point. I want to jump on and say uh, when the weather conditions are bad, coaches will sometimes not even give guys the same chance at like a thirty-five yard field goal. And since you are guessing, uh, you know, you just want a team that's going to score a lot of points. Great advice uh, if you're if there's a toss-up between two people and you know you have one game in a dome and another game where there may be high winds, like just bail and take the safer option. Amen. Awesome. Uh, week 10 at top waiver wire ads. You're adding one guy off waivers or multiple because we have done that a few times. Who are you adding? Nick, let's start with you. Uh, for me, it is someone that we already talked about today. It's Devontae Parker. Uh, that that uh, target funnel is about to come his way really hard with Preston Williams uh, out for the rest of the year. We already talked about the the schedule, I believe. I mean, there's some pretty exploitable matchups on there. I think he's a lock for double digits. And at this point in the season, if you can get someone who's 36% owned, who's going to get 10 targets a game, that's someone you got to go after. 100% agree. Clark's already got him. He doesn't even need to go after him. Sorry. Sorry, the two leagues that I'm in, guys. You hosed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like Parker. and and I have two real quick. One's kind of a cheater. Uh, QB stream Daniel Jones is you know running and passing whether you think he's good at quarterback it's not he is a good fantasy option and he's got the Jets next week uh, so he, he's a good pickup and the uh, folks are dropping like flies in Indianapolis we'll have to uh, watch the Jacoby Brissett situation closely but Brian Hoyer is a very serviceable NFL quarterback and when he's surrounded by good pieces he is good enough to keep an offense going so Zach Pascal uh, has had a couple of good games and he's widely available. I think he's like 18% owned or something. So you could do a lot worse if uh, there's someone really smart and handsome in your league who already has Devonte Parker, maybe Zach Pascal would be a good, uh, <laughs> good second, second prize. Well, it, he's interesting because uh, Paris Campbell uh, broke his hand. So yeah. he's going to be out for a second yeah. too. I mean, Zach Pascal is that offense when TY is out. He's been great. I, hundred percent endorse, endorse that pick. Uh, the guy who I want you to go get, I already talked about, uh, I got excited about, uh, about Darius guys a little earlier. So I won't reiterate what I had to say, but Nick, this is for you. Jacob Hollister, baby expatriate news. Seahawks number one tight end in the world. Uh, going to replace all of that. Will Disley does, you know, I mean, we, we know we've talked a lot on this podcast before about just what a, uh, a Seahawks tight end can do. And uh, in this, you know, in this offense, because they love looking at that around the goal line. But I do want to quickly tell you, if I can pull it up in time, Jakob, or is he Jakob Hollister, 
the Seahawks schedule as we were talking playoffs, as we were talking about the uh, the fantasy playoffs. But the rest of their schedule, they play San Francisco, which is tough, but then Philly, Minnesota, the Rams, the Carolina, and then they finish with Arizona and 49ers. Arizona obviously giving up the most uh, points to tight ends. I think that he is someone, if you're looking, if you need help at tight end and you need someone to stream, he's a good name to get on your roster because you know what tight ends can do in San, uh, in Seattle. And uh, there's a pretty good schedule for him going forward. Will Disley is still the tight end nine. That's preposterous. <laughs> That's how garbage tight end has God become. Yes. <laughs> so, so is Travis Kelsey I, I, worth a first round pick? Yes. No. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> Oh yeah, God, no, I can't, we can't get into that Clark, but um, yeah, Pete Carroll is like the original version of artificial intelligence. And the one thing that he learned in his time as a head coach is to use a tight end in the red zone after Jimmy Graham blew out his knee and they were like, all right, now we can't use him as a blocker. But um, I, I am not optimistic that Hollister is going to really be a whole lot. I, what's funny is I liked Hollister a lot in, in New England. I, I like, I think I wrote an article at one point, uh, saying that he was going to be the the next like Aaron Hernandez compliment to to Gronk, but um, they did say Carroll, I believe it was uh, not John Schneider today, did say that they basically went out and got Josh Gordon to, to be, be that tight end, the to be yeah the the in the like middle of the field uh, target. So I I don't know I fire up Josh Gordon do, I, then. Yeah, God, he's good. Yeah, three targets. Two catches, two touchdowns. You're gonna to be so frustrating. He's gonna get him an exit. All right, I gotta sign off with that. I can't. I can't get into a new Seahawks draft. <laughs> Jordan, who are you adding off waivers? Uh, Clark, unplug your headphones real quick. It is uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He is only four percent owned in ESPN leagues. We already talked about how easy and soft the Dolphins upcoming schedule is i mean granted the the dolphins are conversely going to be the easiest team that those teams also play left on their schedule but don't let that deter you from seeing that ryan fitzpatrick has thrown seven touchdowns in the past four games since he's taken over um he lost preston williams which is a pretty big loss but if this past game by mike kosicki is any indication it might be that the second year tight end might be putting some things together and um Devontae parker Ryan Fitzpatrick is the epitome of what I would like to coin as the tailored pants move because <laughs> it's going to be hard for you to sit down and or, or find pants that fit if you got balls that big to start <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick and I love it <laughs> oh excellent well there you go Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. Uh, Leave us a review. Give us five stars. Tell us you love us. If you leave any comments or questions in your comments, we'll make sure to answer them on the podcast. So look for that. If you leave a question, we'd love to answer it. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at Edan Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. uh, Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you on Thursday to talk week 10 starts and sits. Until then, peace.
fucking cowboys. What what the fuck is going on? You, 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 anything you need them to do, they don't do it. This is why Cowboys fans. Dude, you and I are are, uh, are are tit for tat on this one. I need a big Dak Prescott showing. So that touchdown being called back and then having it go to the care. Neither of us wanted that. Gosh dang it! Gosh dang it! <laughs> 